brothers and sisters. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Kinfolk, let us pray. Holy Spirit, Heavenly Dove, descend again and rest upon your pilgrim people. Amen. So today I want to talk about telling the truth, about speaking honestly, uh, and why most of the time honesty and transparency is simply our best defense in uh, just about any given situation. This stuff is both intuitive and counterintuitive. I want to dig a little bit deeper into what Jesus ex is saying and he, what he expects from us, Jesus followers, when it comes to the ways in which we give an account for what we believe and do. Now, there's an entire field of theology dedicated to this. It's called apologetics. Uh, it's about exactly this. But I want to approach the topic with a little bit of nuance uh, because it's not as simple as, as, as a black and white kind of, you know, Joe Friday. Just the facts, ma'am. And every single parent on, on earth knows this because, first of all, when you're a parent, you have children, and children are these endless little pits of curiosity, uh, and, but there's some stuff that they don't need to know, right? This is election season, and a lot of parents have had to be really kind of careful about the way that they express themselves around the election, because it can be scary for little kids. And remember, they don't get to vote. Um, so we, we monitor our speech. Right? Uh, there's other stuff, though, you just can't really tell the truth to your kids about. I, it was Halloween, and someone gave JoJo a little bag of taquitos. I don't know where she got them. Taquitos, and she wanted them. She said, these look good. Now, I don't know how she got through the last six years without encountering taquitos. Um, some of you are scratching your heads. You don't know what taquitos are. That's good. I'm going to get to that in just a second. It's a little chip. It's a little bit of it's a food. Um, I know all about them because I buy an embarrassing amount of food at gas stations uh, and 7-Elevens, okay? But most of you don't. Uh, I know what taquitos taste like, and they taste like uh, insanity. And Joe had never had them, and I did not want her to have them. I said, wow, those are dangerous. She said, what? They're dangerous. I said, no, listen, they've got some kind of thing in them. It's, they got like a chemical in them. It's called super flavonoids. It makes it so you can't taste normal food. Same with flaming Hot Cheetos. Why did I say that? Why did I give her another food that she can now go look? Anyway, a couple of things here about the truth. All right. Rattling around in my brain was an article that I'd read from some medical journal about a decade ago a, a regarding the addictive nature of some very specific kinds of snacks that they target children with including taquitos and flaming hot Cheetos, and there's probably way more of them now. And the scientists used some kind of special science word uh, to describe the specific flavor of these snacks, uh, and that word was most definitely not super flavonoids. I can say with confidence that that is a word that I made up on the spot. Um, but the point is that when the kids taste this stuff, it really messes with them, and they get hooked on it in a bad way. Uh, this is... Um, so I, I said, in this household, taquitos are, are 21 and up. You gotta. <laughs> I got to, I went and looked it. I actually went and looked it up. I went back and found that article. Um, it was from 2012. And the scientific term was hyperpalatable. Hyperpalatable foods. 
It's a kind of food that when a kid eats it, it releases endogenous opioids, actual opioids in their head due to this combination of fat and capsaicin. Um, now, taquitos are also kind of disgusting. Uh, nobody should eat them. So I took the bag and I locked it in my gun safe. The sort of food you should only eat when you go ice fishing. Um, and I don't want my toddler eating that stuff. So I lie to him. You lie to him. You know, he says, you can't have it. It's got booze in it. <laughs> it's only for grown-ups. Or you go to the grocery store, and then you're pushing them through the, the aisle to check out. And they, of course, they put all the food that the kids want there in the checkouts. Because they know you've got to stand there for 10 minutes while you wait. And so I say, you know... Um, Say that stuff is, it's, honey, that stuff's not for sale. That's just display. It's, it's, it's just for display. You can't buy any of it. All right. She's not here, is she? I, I, taught her. <laughs> I taught her that when you tell a lie, your ears turn red. And for going on six years now, I know she's lying because she covers up her ears. <laughs> she talks to me. And the worst, I think, is when we lived downtown Kalamazoo. And in the summer, in the middle of the day, there'd be this big white truck that would kind of slowly go down the street playing this jingly jangly music. Uh, and I would say that it's the, it, that's the neighborhood nap time truck. It, it plays the music so that people know it's time to take a nap, you know? That's, okay. But this is, that's, this is fine. But there are other times, though, there are times, though, when you, you really have to be direct with children. Um, you know, if, if, if you asked any of my kids, if you asked Teddy, Natalie doesn't speak, but if you asked Teddy or Joe what to do if they saw something that looked like a gun, they would probably cut you off and yell, don't touch it, find a grown-up. That's it. Don't touch it, find a grown-up. That's our whole gun safety regime at this point. Um, don't touch it, find a grown-up is great advice for a lot of things. Um, and now it does mean that sometimes they might find a bit of tr uh, some trash from the yard or whatever, some litter on the sidewalk, and they, they come and get me and make me look at it, and they say, it looked like a gun. But I, and I say, good, good, good job. Don't touch it. Find a grown-up. That's the rule. And we're, we're, um, now we're dog-owning uh, family, and I come from dog-owning people, and we all have dogs, and when we get together, there's a real pack of dogs going on, and it's good. And we like to have the children play with the dogs. It makes them into strong little Viking people. Um, but you can't play with every dog the way that they play with our dogs. And so we have to teach the kids, always ask, always ask before you pet somebody else's dog. Can I pet your dog? Um, and, and when she was a little kid, about three years old, Joe's second favorite dog in the world after Daisy, our dog, who might legitimately be my daughter's, honest to God, best friend, was my mother's dog. And she was very old. Her name was Carmen. She was this elderly border collie. My mom always names her border collies after having something to do with opera. She's a big opera nut. So her first one was the Isabella Rossellini, and she had a, scar a Scarlet and a Carmen. And, okay, Carmen didn't really like children, but, but Joe loved this dog. I mean, you know I picked up, I'm talking in the past tense, because Carmen, that year when she was, Joe was three, Carmen passed away. And Joe asked where Carmen was, you know, and we told her to be, we were direct with her which is what you need to be with little kids. See, Carmen was very old, and she died. We won't be able to play with her anymore um, because she's died, but she was a very good dog and told stories about her. 
And um, we had the same experience, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, with Teddy, with our, our cat, Lucy. It'd be direct. You know, you get lost in the weeds talking about the soteriological destiny of pets and whether or not the dogs go to heaven and the stuff with the rainbow bridge. And it can get confusing to little kids. It really can. Those stories are for, really for adults. Um, being direct is best. We taught Jojo that when she's scared at night, she can pray to God. We've been good, I think, about not filling her head up with, with complicated or scary theology. God always hears you when you pray. Always. God loves you. Always. And God is always with you. And Joe decided all on her own that God used feminine pronouns. We didn't give her that. And it was important to us that Joe told us. I remember when she's little, she said, God's not just in the air. God is also in the ground and in the water. And God is in the trees. And so I think that perhaps um, drum circles and patchouli may be in my daughter's future. I don't know. <laughs> but we know that with children, you know, in some things you can be indirect, but in other matters that are important, you have to really be very literal. Today, Jesus is not talking to us like children. He's talking to us very directly. He's talking to us like he would talk to students, I think. People are going to lie to you, he says. People are going to lie to you. And they're going to say that some kind of end is near. They're going to talk about wars, how there's going to be wars. Uh, and they're going to talk about all this stuff as if it's the second coming. And when you, when you tell the truth about what you believe, they're going to arrest you. And they're especially going to arrest you if you don't go along with their lies. They're going to do this to defend their lies. Here's, here's a lie I heard um, during this campaign season. This is a lie. Immigrants bring crime across the border. This is a lie. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a what do they like to say on the NPR, uh, inaccurate statement, right? Because apparently we can't use the word lie. It's, this is a, a whopper, a confabulation. Uh, immigrants commit crimes at far lower rates than non-immigrants, especially violent crimes. Crimes in general at about half the rate. Violent crimes at about one-eighth the rate. You are way safer around immigrants than you are around the general population. So, uh, and that information comes from the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, along with the information that violent crime is across the boards down. Anybody who tells you our cities are getting more and more dangerous is lying to you. Now, everything else they might say maybe is true, I don't know. But you need to understand that they just led with a lie, okay? Our cities are not becoming more dangerous. They're becoming less dangerous. Violent crime is down. Violent crime's down by half since the mid-90s. Half. You're twice as safe now as you were in 1995. And again, I'm not just saying this stuff. This is from the FBI's own website. You can go and look it up, all right? So what do they got in their heads? They got in their heads that, well, we, okay, then we'll start with the position that immigrants are bringing crime across the border, which they're not. Uh, but then they're going to say, we got to build a big wall on the border, and then that'll keep us safe. Which, I guess if these people have never read a single history book in, in their lives, because we've been trying this whole build a big wall thing for like 5,000 years. It has never worked. 
Not once has it worked. Uh, it, not even in Israel. I was there, I saw it. And the wall in Israel is a wall that puts the other walls of the world to shame. This thing's 120 feet tall in places. I, I, you can't even wrap your head around it. Twice as tall as this building that we're in right now. And I saw little Palestinian kids the same age as my daughter climbing up and down that thing like it was a set of monkey bars. They don't work. Now, here's, here's the other piece. You go out, out there into the commons, you start shooting your mouth off about what's true and what's not true, and they might put you in jail. Because you can still get arrested for telling the truth in this country. The, there were protesters out, the keys, at the, out west in the Indian reservations at Standing Rock. And they said, this, this, we build, you build this pipeline, it's going to spill oil all over the ground. And those folks got put in jail, and I knew some of them. Michael Littlefeather, he, he said, if you build this thing, it's going to spill oil all over the ground. And he, so he stood in front of a tractor or a bulldozer or something. They put him in jail for two years. The week that he got out of prison, the week he walked out of prison, that pipeline spilled 10,000 gallons of crude oil into North Dakota wetlands. So they will arrest you and prosecute you, Jesus says. They'll hand you over to prisons. They're going to be brought before kings and governors because of my name. And it'll give you an opportunity to testify. What should we say, Jesus? What should we say? He says, you've got to make up your minds not to prepare some kind of defense in advance. I'll give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand. Holy words and holy wisdom. The Greek version has it a little bit different. It's more accurate to say, don't meditate it says, don't meditate beforehand over much about how you will make your defense. Don't spend too much time being anxious about what you're going to say. Tell the truth. That's it. Tell the truth. In the moment, you're asked to tell it. So defensiveness is rarely the answer. Defensiveness comes out of anxiety, creates a lot of dumb answers, excuses. It leads us to complaints about hypocrisy. Whataboutism, I've heard it called. Um, don't be anxious, he says. Here are some really great ironclad words of truth that are perfectly acceptable to say, especially to children when they ask you tough questions. You can say, I don't know the answer to that. Did you hear? I'll say, I don't know. That could be an honest answer to a question. When I'm listening to preachers and theologians answer questions about the Bible, and, and one of these preachers or theologians says something like, you know, I don't know the answer to that. That is someone who I'm going to pay closer attention to than somebody who seems to have an answer for everything. Here's another good way to open your mouth and let a non-anxious spirit speak for you. You can say, I was wrong about that. If you were wrong and you caused harm, you can say, I was wrong about that and I caused harm. I'm sorry. I'll try to do better in the future. It's baffling to me how these simple, true words are so profoundly difficult for some people to say, especially white guys like me. I don't understand it. The truth is sometimes, I don't know. Jesus says, I'll give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. What if those words of wisdom are, I don't know, or I don't understand, or could you tell me more about that? I'm sorry, my impact was hurtful. Now, don't ever say, I'm sorry you feel bad. That's garbage. That's nonsense. The only situation in life when you should ever say, I'm sorry you feel bad, is like if you beat a little kid at checkers. That, that's okay. The truth means that we don't have to have an answer for everything. 
It means, though, letting go of our anxiety when we're put to the test. Clear our mind, open our mouth, and just explain the honest-to-God truth as best as we understand it. Now, it's not, this is not going to keep you out of trouble, okay? Jesus is very clear about this this week. They just said, you will be betrayed. Um, that might put some of you to death. I mean, if your entire goal in life is to just completely stay out of trouble, you shouldn't listen to any of what I'm saying. Um, if your goal is to stay out of trouble, you don't need the Holy Spirit. You need an attorney. Um, and I could recommend some good ones. But if, on the other hand, your goal is to tell the truth, to give an honest account, Jesus says, by your endurance, you will gain your soul. There are a lot of people out there in the world who have sold their souls to stay out of trouble. Don't, it's a bad, that's a lousy deal. Don't take it. But instead, tell the truth. You need no defense save for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It won't keep you out of trouble telling the truth, but it will uh, keep us close to our Lord. That's a much better deal. I think that's the baseline for a good life. That and staying away, staying away from Flaming hot Cheetos. <laughs> Live a good life and tell the truth. Amen? Amen.